Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Luke. Hello and good morning, faithful listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Bible Explained podcast, season five. Let's start our day off strong by reading some scripture. So I'm going to jump in and read Luke 21 verses 34 through 38. If you have your Bible, feel free to read along with me in whatever version you prefer. I will be reading at the W.E.B. this morning. But if you don't have your Bible, that's fine, too. Just sit back and relax and uh, commute to work or drink your coffee or whatever you're doing and just enjoy me reading this to you. But once again, I'll be reading Luke 21, 34 through 38 out of the W.E.B. So be careful, or your hearts will be loaded down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that day will come on you suddenly. For it will come on you like a snare on all those who dwell on the surface of all the earth. Therefore be watchful all the time, praying that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will happen, and stand before the Son of Man. Every day Jesus was teaching in the temple, and every night he would go out and spend the night on the mountain that is called Olivet. All the people came early in the morning to him in the temple to hear him. While I was reading that, I got something in my eye. (laughs) But I was able to get it out halfway through. (laughs) But okay, so let's see what Jesus is talking about here. So he's been in the temple for quite a while now, and he's also been just talking with his disciples, which I believe he's only talking to his disciples here, potentially. Um, He had just described what was going to happen in the end times. He had given some prophecy to his disciples saying what was going to happen in AD 70 when the Romans came and destroyed Jerusalem. So Jesus predicted that well in advance and actually told his disciples that when you see these things happening, when the Roman armies start to surround Jerusalem, then get out. Know that its destruction is near. And so because of that... There's actually not much evidence that any Christians died in Jerusalem. In fact, most of the Christians actually fled to Pella, according to one of the early historians. Most of the Christians got out of the city, if not all of them got out of the city, because they remembered Jesus's words saying to get out of the city when they saw armies surrounding it. So Jesus warned them, and it was kind of like a small scale uh, prophecy that describes what's going to happen in a larger time frame. And we we talked about all that the other day. So if you're interested in hearing more about that, go back to that episode. I'm not going to really go much into that today. But now what we're reading today in verses 34 through 36, Jesus is saying, be careful or your hearts will be loaded down with carousing, drunkenness and cares of this world. And that day will come on you suddenly. And that day that Jesus is talking about is the day that he returns for everybody. And also it's the day that the destruction of the world begins to happen. And we see that because of verse 35. For it will come like a snare on all those who dwell on all the surface of the earth. So this is for everybody, not just Jerusalem. This is for the entire world. The day that Jesus comes is going to be like a snare like a trap. Does that make sense? Like, for example, let's just say you go into the woods and you're not watching where you go. You might accidentally fall into a trap that is meant for an animal, right? And that's kind of what Jesus is saying here. You got to watch out. 
You got to watch for Jesus's return so that you aren't caught in that snare for the end times when Jesus comes back and basically brings his destruction on the world and his judgment on the world. So the next verse that Jesus says is that, therefore, be watchful all the time, praying that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will happen and to stand before the Son of Man. I'll be honest, I researched this verse the most when I was uh, thinking about this earlier because this verse was really perplexing to me. I struggled with it because I believe that we are saved through grace, right? So because we are saved through grace, I'm kind of like, well, why do I have to pray that I'm counted worthy? Like, hasn't Jesus saved me already and I don't have to worry about anything? So I had to look into this a little bit more to get the context of what Jesus was saying here. He mentions twice in just these two short, three short verses that we are supposed to be watching for ourselves, right? We're supposed to be watching out for ourselves. Unfortunately, the church over the years has twisted what this means to say that we're supposed to be watching the news <laughs> and being like mindful of the things that are happening in the world. But that's actually not what Jesus is saying here. He's, he's talking about watching ourselves. Be watchful all the time, praying that you may be counted worthy to escape. So Jesus is telling us to watch ourselves. In other words, to constantly be mindful of our actions, what we are thinking and our thought life and our spiritual life. The word watch, if you look back in Greek, actually means to stay awake. And in scripture, we often see the term stay awake to apply to our spiritual lives. So we are constantly supposed to keep our spiritual life awake, alive, watching. Does that make sense? Rather than letting our spiritual life grow lukewarm or cold. There's a verse that I talked about a long time ago. It's called the scariest verse in the Bible where um, Jesus says, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will enter into God's kingdom. I talked about that a while back, I think way back in the book of Matthew, so I can, I can try to find that and drop a link to that one if you're interested in it, because it really does apply to what's going on here. Not everybody who says that they believe in Jesus believes in Jesus. Not everybody has that faith. And unfortunately, we're seeing that a lot more as the term Christianity gets more and more skewed. A lot of people claim to be Christians, but there's very few Christians in America right now that actually believe the Bible, like in its entirety and for the truth that it is. The term Christianity could mean anything now, really. And unfortunately, that has a lot to do, I think, with what Jesus is saying, that not everybody who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter into my kingdom. So just because you believe that Jesus existed, that's not enough. And even <laughs> there's a verse in James, actually, that says that it says uh James was, um, I really enjoy his writing style. He's so mean. <laughs> He's just so like blunt and like down to earth. I love it. So one of the verses James says in the book of James, he says, oh, you believe in God. Good for you, because Satan also believes that there is a God. And it's literally the verse. I'm not even like paraphrasing hardly. That's what James says. Like, good for you. Okay, you know that there's a God. But I mean, even Satan believes that. Even the demons believe that. So you got to have something more than just believing 
that Jesus existed or that there is a God. You have to have that true faith. It says in the Bible that you cannot please God without faith. You have to have faith in order to truly be a Christian, to be a Bible-believing, Jesus-following Christian. You have to have faith. Faith that Jesus saved you, faith that he came down to earth, and faith that he is God. Not a God, not created by God, but that he is in fact God, part of the Trinity. And without that faith, you can't please God. You may call him your Lord. You may say that you believe in him. But if you don't believe those key aspects about who Jesus is, then unfortunately, you may become like one of these uh, people that Jesus talks about right here, who gets stuck in a snare when Jesus comes back to earth someday to judge the world. And obviously, Jesus doesn't want that for you, which is why he tells you to be watchful, to be mindful, and to constantly keep your relationship with Jesus alive. And how do you do that? It says right here, verse 36, therefore be watchful all the time, praying that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will happen and to stand before the son of man. So you must keep your faith in Jesus alive. You cannot begin to grow lukewarm because what does it say about lukewarm Christians in Revelation? Well, I looked it up for you. It says here in Revelation 3 verses 14 through 22. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, <clears throat> These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither cold or hot, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So this is talking to a church in Laodicea. And the Laodicean Christians <laughs> have gone down in history to be the lukewarm Christians of um, the early church times, basically. We don't really know why they were lukewarm other than what Jesus says here, how they acquired wealth and did not need anything. So in other words, the Laodiceans were very rich. They had wealth and they did not realize how much they needed Jesus. They said they needed Jesus. They said that they were Christians. They said they believed in Jesus. However, they were in fact lukewarm. And what Jesus says here, I am going to spit you out of my mouth. Other versions say that uh, Jesus says he's going to spew them out of his mouth. In other words, he's going to puke them out. <laughs> Not very uh, pleasant words. I hate puke so much. It's disgusting. But I mean, that that description that Jesus gives is pretty clear what's going to happen in this church. They're going to get puked out. So that's the 
cost of becoming lukewarm. In other words, not truly believing Jesus, not truly having faith and caring more about the things of the world than the things of Jesus. This just goes back to storing up treasures in heaven rather than here on earth. So if we are really serious about this and we truly do not want to be one of those Christians that is spewed out of God's mouth, like the Laodiceans might have been, then we need to see what Jesus says here, going back to Luke 21, verse 36. How can we not be one of those lukewarm Christians? It says, therefore, be watchful all the time, praying that you may be counted worthy to escape all the things that will happen and to stand before the Son of Man. So in other words, we need to be watchful of ourselves and we also need to be drawing near to Christ, praying. I had to look up actually what prayer is. <laughs> I'm not joking. I looked it up today before I did this uh, this episode. And unfortunately, over the years, I've kind of gotten the concept of prayer quite wrong. Basically, what prayer is, is it's just having a conversation with God. I kind of always thought that you had to like, like say an actual prayer. I'm not even joking. Like that's truly what I believed. And, and I'm kind of embarrassed to admit that because I'm like <laughs> teaching scripture to people. So I, I don't even know what a prayer is, but prayer does not have to be formal. Like I thought it was. And, and don't get me wrong. I believed that you could have a conversation with God and be praying to him, but it's even more informal than what I initially believed. Like you can literally just have a conversation with God and that's a prayer. Like talking like with a friend, does that make sense? I mean, if we have conversations with our best friends, with our spouses that are just kind of ordinary sort of uh, uh, conversations, then we can do the same thing with God. And the thing is, those conversations we have with our friends and with our spouses, they don't always have to be super in depth in order to maintain a great relationship with that person. Like some of my friends, I don't really go too in depth with them, but they're my very good friends and we just make small talk and we have fun and we chit chat about our lives. And that's really what it comes down to with our relationship with God. It doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to be like you need something before you come to God. It doesn't need to be like a sit down long in depth prayer. It can just be tiny little conversations with God that you have throughout the day. I don't know why I just I didn't recognize that as prayer, but that's what really what prayer is and what it comes down to. So when we see verses similar to this that say pray without ceasing, that doesn't mean we have to get down on our knees or pray really long prayers. It just means think about God, draw near to God, have conversations with God, maybe do more formal prayers uh, when you can. But for the most part, this is just talking about drawing near to God. So I've covered a lot on this podcast episode so far. In just a few short verses, I talked about how we need to be watching for ourselves. We need to be watching out what we are doing. And then we also need to be making sure that we are not lukewarm, which goes hand in hand with watching ourselves. But we also need to have faith in Jesus, that he is who he says he is. But then lastly, we need to not just have faith, but we need to be actively drawing near to Christ. And these are the four things that we can do to not get caught in that snare when Jesus comes back to earth.
Well, friends and faithful listeners, I do hope that you enjoyed this episode and that maybe I brought a new perspective to this that you were able to think about. And uh, this is my challenge for you guys. Try to have a conversation, just like a simple conversation with God today and uh, see how that goes and see if you can include that more often in your daily routine. Because I actually started my YouTube channel finally. (laughs) I had it for a while. Uh, It's been around for a while, but I only was doing podcast episodes on it, like these podcast episodes. And I recently just did a YouTube video about All Hallows Eve, which happens to be today. Today is All Saints Day, I think, and tomorrow is All Souls Day. So I'm talking about that over on the uh, YouTube channel, and I'm going to drop a link to that in the bio of this podcast episode so you can navigate over there and watch my talking head as I talk about All Hallows Eve. So yeah, that'll be a fun episode. I hope you guys go over there and subscribe to the YouTube channel because I'm going to have more YouTube videos coming out very, very soon. I'm kind of addicted now. I knew that I had to do one in order to do more. I don't know why I am like that. It takes me a really long time to get to something, but once I do it, I'm okay. (laughs) So I knew that if I just completed an episode and got it on YouTube, I'd be okay. So yes, there's going to be more videos coming on YouTube. So definitely subscribe to the channel. But anyway, you guys, I'll see you bright and early for an episode tomorrow out of Deuteronomy. Until then, happy listening and God bless. Ooh.